What do I want to read tonight? <laughs> we'll read, I heard God laughing. Come to my house. Hafiz, oh. This is more of a statement. It's not his poem. The jeweler. If a naive and desperate man brings a precious stone to the only jeweler in town wanting to sell it, the jeweler's eyes will begin to play a game like most in the world when they look at you. The jeweler's face will stay calm. He will not want to reveal the stone's true value, but to hold the man captive to fear and greed while he calculates the value of the transaction. But one moment with my dear, one moment with me, my dear, will show you that there is nothing, nothing Hafiz wants of you. When you sit before a master like me, even if you are drooling, a drooling mess, my eyes sing with excitement, for they see your divine worth. That's the truth. <laughs> Though I haven't had a drooling mess sit in front of me yet. <laughs> So, for those of you that just came in, um, or were here uh, before, after we started meditating, Brian's not feeling up to snuff today, so he decided to stay home and just take care of himself. So, it's me tonight. So, I hope we enjoy anyway. <laughs> um, does Laura have anything coming up to share? Workshop? Nope. <laughs> I hear a voice from somewhere. And Bill, I think you, your next one's in January. Uh, that's, uh, the ongoing yeah. Okay. So we're fine right now. One thing is this Sunday from 12 to 5 at uh, our house, and on Buckeye Trail, we're going to be having a Christmas party. It's a potluck. Please come. We've got the house all decorated for you, and it'll be a lot of fun. And I hear. Sunday is going to be between the rainstorms, so it should be nice. Hopefully God will bring some clouds away and some sun out for the day. All right. It's very interesting. Um, while I was meditating, boy, a lot of things came in. But one that's kind of interesting, um, you know, I was talking about keeping your eyes inward and upward in focus and keep your attention upon the Lord. It's very interesting. Um, I've often talked about how the spiritual eye, these pens that have so many different pens. Now, let's see. Okay, there's a trick to this. I know. There we go. <laughs> this is the test. <laughs> the spiritual eye works this way. A part of it is actually focused downward into the physical world. Another part of it is focused outward into the psychic material world. And the last component of it is focused inward and upward toward the realms of soul and spirit and God. And so what we want to do is keep our focus inward and upward as much as we can allowing our attention to drop away from the other two components, 
the true physical material world that we normally see and live in and have our physical body in, as well as the psychic material world. The psychic material world consists of the imagination, which is the astral, the emotional, which is the causal, the mind, and the unconscious. If you gaze more forward in your meditation, you're more than likely going to go into those areas of experience. And there can be a lot of fun and enjoyment and excitement in the psychic material world. That's where a lot of things do truly happen that seem to have a great grand nature to them. But they lead nowhere, ultimately. They do not lead to God or God awareness or soul awareness or divine loving or peace or joy or loving. They lead into a continual cycle of experience that seems to be taking you somewhere but really is a dead end no matter where you go. It's like a great maze. You walk and walk and walk thinking somehow you're going to get to the end, you're going to find your way through it, and you're going to have a wonderful journey and experience at the end of the walk. But ultimately you find you just continue walking through this maze of nothingness and every once in a while find a little surprise. But on the upward gaze, you go into a different experience. It's a quiet place. It's a peaceful place. It isn't a place where you go in to have great phenomenal experiences such as you would have in the psychic material world. But rather, you begin to go inward and upward into that journey of the soul to share your loving with God, to be present with God, to hold your loving with God, and to allow God's loving in. And that means keeping your attention upon the Lord and holding your attention there. And it is a quiet place, it is a peaceful place as you move more and more into that practice of devotion with God. It isn't engaging the mind and journeying into the realm of mind and coming into great understanding and what seems to be wisdom. It is a place beyond the mind. It is a place of divine loving. That is where the soul resides and that is where we on this journey want to wake up. It was very interesting that years ago I met a gentleman uh, up in New York City He's a very famous photographer. He's had a lot of books out, calendars, still does today. And um, is just a phenomenal photographer and artist. And after starting to talk about this inner practice and this inner journey and the three levels of spiritual vision, he began to do this meditation, but he also began to do a scientific study of photographers and of artwork to just see if he could find something that would in some way demonstrate what I was talking about. And so he began to go through all these different catalogs of very famous paintings throughout the last 900 years. And he began to go through his photographic collection, not of his, only of his own, but of other photo photographers that he knew and others throughout time since photography has been in existence. And as he began to lay these photographs and pictures out, he began to look to see if there was something 
that was related one unto the other. And as he looked, he began to see a pattern in them. And over time, he began to realize something, that in all the famous art, in all the great works of art and photography, he found something quite amazing, whether it was in portraiture or in landscape. And that was that the paintings often bring you to a point and then carry your attention upward in a 54 degree angle. And he went through all these different works of art, laying it out and marking them all up as he began to draw out all these different angles of attention in the art. And he found very clearly this same component of focus that the artist unknowingly or knowingly laid out in their artwork. After doing this, he went to three different universities. One was New York University, which was right there, almost at his doorstep where he lived. He went to Harvard, and he went here in, in Texas to Baylor. And he laid these out for different groups and showed them what he had found, and they were totally amazed. Nobody had ever really noticed this or come up with this theory before. And they are still today, after what, maybe 12, 15 years, still looking at this, still looking at all the different art and looking to see what is the significance here. Well, I know what the significance is. The soul knows its home, its way home. It knows the path of the journey. And it's an inward and upward focus that will take us home to God. Now, I'm not going to say it's 54 degrees because I don't know that. I don't have a projector, uh, a protractor to figure out the angle of my view when I'm in meditation. But I do know it is inward and upward. And I do know that what he has found is something that is in all of us. We all know that direction home. When people pray, where do they look? They look inward and upward. They think and know that God is somewhere up here. And so they hold their attention upward towards God as they pray, hoping that that attention will take their words, their prayers, upward to God, wherever God is in God's creation. It is also interesting that if you go into churches or temples, whether it be synagogues or mosques, and you go inside, the main focus of attention, whether it be a crucifix or the Torah or the place where the speaker is going to share, is always upward from where you're seated. Whether you're seated on the floor or in a pew or kneeling at the rail of the altar, the gaze is always upward. And I noticed that when I was very young. Well, not very young. I was 11 years old. It was the first time I ever went into a Catholic church. And when I went in, I sat down. I didn't know what to do in a Catholic church, per se, as prayers or kneeling or about holy water. I just knew I wanted to go in and be where God 
at that time seemed to reside for me as it was in churches. I loved to be in the frequency where people came together in loving and loving God and loving the Lord and be there in that quiet, in that peace where that focus was collected together. And so I used to go and visit all these churches. And one day when I was 11 years old and I walked into this Catholic church and I sat down, I realized that all the statues were above me and that the crucifix was above me. And the, the host in the tabernacle was above my gaze, my normal straight-on gaze. And I realized that somehow, unconsciously or consciously, they had created the natural focus of an inward and upward focus towards the spiritual door. Once our consciousness collects here at the seat of the soul, which is the first part of the journey of our meditation, there's a natural inclination to look upward. The soul automatically is going to look upward to begin the journey home. But the first part of the journey is the collection of that consciousness back here to the seat of the soul. And the easiest way to collect that focus, to collect the soul consciousness back into itself, is to look upward. To look upward in loving and allow that movement of loving that we are holding our attention into to draw the soul back into itself. How many of you in your meditation find that while you're meditating, Everything in the world seems to be thrown at you. Your mind gets engaged and you start dwelling on all these concerns, all these problems, all these fears. Your emotions start getting stirred up because your mind is now carrying you into a different focus and into the memory pattern that stirs the emotions up. And then you might find one of two things. One, you sit there and try to figure it out, such as, well, you know, let me see. This is what I should have said to them. And you begin to write a new script for the day or the event that you're remembering. Or the other is to get up and get going. I don't want to look at this. I don't want to think about this. I don't want to feel this. I'm not going to sit here and face this. And you want to get up and just get out of the meditation. For me, those are the two things that I find are present in the physical consciousness, in the physical action. If I allow myself to get caught up in that, I go nowhere in my meditation. And if I start judging it, I really go nowhere but to stay in a place of bondage within that action in the moment. But if I will just allow myself to be joyful in the moment, to be okay with whatever's taking place, and to remember to go back inward and upward to the seat of the soul, and to let the divine light inside begin to move in my consciousness, and let that loving come awake, I can rise above all that is distracting me and bring me back into my truth, back into my focus and meditation. It's one day at a time, one minute at a time, one breath at a time. And each day is different. Some days meditation will be a breeze. You will sit down, you will close your eyes, 
and two hours will have gone by, and you'll wonder what happened. It was peaceful. It was quiet. You were focused on the name. You were focused on chanting the NIU. You were aware of the movement of loving. You were sharing your loving with God, and loving was just moving in all directions from your being and back into your being. And the next day you sit down, and it's living hell. The world is on you. Your mind is trying to strangle you. Your emotions are so at turmoil that you would just love to get up and go throw up right now. And then the next day you sit down, and nothing. There's no, no turmoil. There's no mind. But there's also not the peace and the joy. There's just a numbness or a nothingness. Each day is different. Why? Because each day is different for us. Some days we wake up and we feel really good. Our bodies are feeling good. We sit up. We feel comfortable. We feel relaxed. And it's easy just to let go and to stay focused inward and upward to the seat of the soul. The next day we wake up and all of a sudden we realize, oh gosh, I shouldn't have worked out so hard at the gym last night or yesterday. Or I shouldn't have eaten all that food yesterday. Or whatever it is that's now causing disturbance in the physical body. And then you sit there and that disturbance gets in the way. What do you do? Love it. Go into the disturbance. Go into whatever it is, the physical pain, the upset stomach, the headache, whatever, and love it. Move into loving with everything. Move into acceptance with everything. Don't struggle with it. Don't fight it. Don't push against it. Don't try to make it stop. But love it. And then see if you can begin to bring your focus back to the seat of the soul. Back inward and upward. So that you can begin to move your attention of loving with the Lord. And to allow that loving in that is coming to fill you. And if you are not able to do that, then go back into the pain or the disturbance. And in loving, move into it and see if it wants to share something with you. If it will talk with you. If it will bring forward something in your awareness so that you can become aware of what's between you and the Lord. Whatever is between you and the Lord, that's what you want to handle in that moment. Don't push it away. Don't ignore it. Don't deny it. But rather, accept it. Allow it. Love it. Forgive it. And in that action, you will begin to find yourself either melting that away, bringing it to a quiet, or moving through it and on inward and upward back into your meditative practice. And I have found that oftentimes, if I will just sit and go into the pain, go into the disturbance, go into whatever that is that's between me and the Lord right now, I will discover a lot about my journey, about my spiritual journey, and those areas that I am avoiding, those areas that I do not want to look at so that I can begin to handle those in a different way. I have found for myself that there are things in this world that I would rather not do than do, that I would rather avoid than go into. And I'm sure 
each of us can say the same thing. I do not know of anyone that I have met that truly can say that they just walk into every situation joyful, happy, and doing, and fulfilling, and it's done. I know that in each of us, there are those areas that we do not want to look at, that we do not want to deal with. It may be our partner in life. It may be one of our children. It may be our mother or our father. It may be ourself. It may be somebody at work. It is up to you to look into those areas when they come up, especially in your meditation, because that's the time when you are now holding your attention and loving with the Lord. And you're looking to hold that attention and move into the river of loving, move into that sound current, the audible life stream that is the Holy Spirit that is here with us all the time, waiting for us just to merge into, to give attention to, to allow ourselves to be one with, so that the Holy Spirit, through the sound, can take us back home to God. And it is for us to look at those things that are a disturbance, that are a distraction, that are in the way, and to find the solution, to find the answer, to come into understanding to bring neutrality and quiet to that disturbance so that it no longer is in the way. And I have found for me that forgiveness is the biggest key just to go in and forgive myself for whatever judgments I've placed on other people, judgments I've placed on myself, judgments I've placed on situations that I fear to go into. Whatever it is, for me, forgiveness is a key. Once in a while, forgiveness doesn't do it. So then I move into acceptance. I go, okay, so forgiveness isn't moving it. Forgiveness isn't changing it. Forgiveness isn't transforming the energy into something that is loving. So I'll just accept it. And I'll go into that part of myself that is in disturbance. And I will just accept that. And I find that either through forgiveness or acceptance, either within myself or within situations or people in the world, I find that they will become neutral, they will become quiet, and they will no longer be an energy between me and the Lord. And I can then begin to hold my attention in my meditation, in my sharing of loving. But it's very interesting. For me, there are times where I go into meditation, there's something standing between me and the Lord. And no matter what I do, it just doesn't seem to go away. It doesn't seem to change. It doesn't seem to reveal itself to me as to what it is and how to move forward in it. And what I have found with that is that oftentimes these are the physical karmas that need to be handled physically. Energetically, I can do something with the energy. Forgiveness and acceptance and loving of it will help to bring some level of neutrality or transformation in the situation. But it's very interesting with karma. The energy of karma, the law of karma, is set in such a way that for every action, there is a reaction. And what we are to do 
is to bring balance to that reaction that we have created. Bring balance to it. Whether it be emotional, mental, in the level of imagination, or in the physical, we are to bring balance to it. And the way we bring balance to that reaction is to bring it back into action and to allow it then to become neutral energy once again so that there is no imbalance, there is no debt that has to be paid because it is done, it is neutral, it is quiet. With physical karma, if we have created a physical disturbance within ourselves, within our physical body, or within the physical world at this level, we then find ourselves having to somehow or other go physically into this creation, into this physical level, and bring balance to it. For every action, there's a reaction. So I found that when they do not go away, when these disturbances stand between me and the Lord, and loving and acceptance and forgiveness does not totally transform it, does not allow me to move past it with grace and ease and gentility where it doesn't keep pulling me back, I know that that's a physical karma and it's something for me to begin to handle. And if I look at it, I can see it very clearly what it is. It'll be something with me and my body or it'll be another person or it'll be a situation in the world that will be there in front of me. And I can define it by how it looks, how it feels, how it thinks, but I can come into the knowing of what that physical karma is and then begin to see that this is a place in my life physically that I am, I am to go into and to begin to handle, to begin to neutralize. It's easy for us to sit quietly in our bedroom or in our home or in our car and to handle things emotionally and mentally where we don't have to go and handle them with other people. But it's more challenging for a lot of us to go and truly have to handle something with somebody else that we've caused disturbance with or that they've caused disturbance with us. To go in and say, hey, you know, I just became aware of something. I said these things. I did this action. And I know it caused a reaction in you. I could see it in your face, but I did nothing about it. I just wanted to get the energy out. I said it in anger. I said it in frustration. I did these things out of my misunderstanding. And I just want to say, I forgive myself and I ask you to forgive me in this. And I am learning in this process. And I hope that you can accept that and that we can enter into a greater friendship, maybe better than we ever have had. And it may not be those words, but in some way, move into an action of transforming whatever that is in the world that lies between you and another or in a situation. I remember one time at work where I had, I was working at a frame shop and I had totally miscalculated this 
very large order of framing for a company that had come in to have things done. And after I realized after they had left and they had gotten the quote, we began doing the work, and I was going over everything, I realized I had really totally blown my calculations and I was way off in how much I had told it was going to cost. Well, the first thing I wanted to do was to hide it. I don't want my boss to know this. Now, what am I going to do? How do, I, how do I do this? Is there any way that they will not know and I can just get them to pay the amount that they're supposed to pay that they think they're supposed to pay and maybe it'll just go quiet. Maybe it'll blow over. Well, that was my first approach. So I approached it that way. I kept my mouth shut. I said nothing. I kept the paperwork as hidden and quiet as possible. Everybody's all excited because of this large order. Little did they know that we were just about giving it away. <laughs> and the next morning I sat down in my meditation and nothing would happen. I could not feel the loving. I could not hold my focus inward and upward. There was something down here pulling at me, pulling at me. And I couldn't figure out what it was. You know, that's called dumb. Living in our dumbness. When we don't want to look at something, we put it in the unconscious. I don't want to look at it. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to know it. I don't want anybody else to know it. I'll put it in my unconscious, and then it won't be seen. It won't be heard. It won't be known. So that's what I did. I put it in my unconscious, and when I went into meditation, there was something there in the way, but I couldn't figure out what it was because it was unconscious. I looked at it. I could feel it. I knew that it was a weight that was holding me down and keeping me distracted from holding my attention upward, but I didn't know what it was. I began doing forgiveness on it. I forgave it for whatever it was. I forgave it for the dynamic that it was imparting upon me at that time that was holding my attention downward. Nothing happened. Okay, I accept you. I accept you just as you are, whatever you are, whoever you are, wherever you are. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you are but I accept you just as you are. And I love you. And I'm moving into loving with you. Nothing happened. So I just stood there with this heavy energy inside that was holding me from looking inward and upward. And as I did, I could feel myself go into fear. I could feel myself go into anxiety. And I looked and said, who are you? Speak to me. Come from wherever you have come from and share with me what this is about. And as I did, I saw in my consciousness all these frames just falling to the floor and crashing and breaking. And I thought, what in the world? You know, it didn't even come to my mind at first. And then all of a sudden I realized, oh, the thing I'm hiding, the thing I don't want anybody to know, that's what was up. And I knew right then and there that if I wanted to get on with my meditation and truly enter into the loving with God, I needed to handle that right then. Now that doesn't mean get up and go call the boss and say, hey, guess what? I really goofed. Now what do you want to do? But rather, I moved into acceptance. Okay, this is something I'm going to handle today. This is something I cannot allow to stand between me and the Lord.
this is something that I have created in the physical world and I need to bring into neutrality. I was living the reaction. The reaction was upon me. For every action there's a reaction. The reaction was upon me. And it was in the way of me loving the Lord and allowing God's love in. And I didn't want that, so I knew I had to handle it. Well, the one thing I have always tried to do is to avoid confrontation and avoid having to share with people about my mistakes, my blunders, my goofs. But this was a big one, and I knew I had to do it. But as I began to move just into the acknowledgement that this is something I am to do and handle in the physical world, it allowed me to lift above it. It wasn't such a heavy burden that was holding my attention downward, and my awareness was able to go up now because I was now at peace with it. I was now calm with it. I was now beginning to neutralize the energy of it because I was moving into acceptance of the action I was to do to bring it to quiet in this creation, to bring it to balance. And my meditation went on, inward and upward, into a better expression than it was before. Not to the fullness, but in a very good way. I got up. I went and started the day. I was the first one to go to work. I usually got there between 6.30 and 7. Got everything set up so that when people came in at 7.30, the store, the coffee would be made and we could start the day. And as soon as the owner came in, I got him a cup of coffee. I walked into his office and said, can we talk for a few minutes? And he said, sure, what, what's going on? And I just told him right up front, I figured I better say it quick because if I didn't say it, I might just find my way not to say it and still hide it. So I said, I've made the biggest mistake, and I'll be glad to pay for it if I have to. Or if we can find another way to handle this, that would be great too. And I told him what had happened. And he just started laughing. And he said, this is the first time you've ever done this? And I said, yeah. And he said, and you're here because you're feeling guilty? And I said, no, it's not guilty. I just want to try to go in to explain why I was really there. You know, some people don't understand that something's between me and the Lord right now and I've got to get it, get it out of the way. But I just said I just needed to not let this be present with me. I had to get it complete and, and let him know what was going on and see what to do. And he said, you know, honesty is the best policy and I'm just going to let it ride. You've learned a good lesson. You'll pay a lot more attention when you do your calculations next time. And I did. I really did from then on. I always triple checked everything before I told somebody the price of anything. <laughs> and so he let that just ride as a good lesson for me, and it did. It worked very well for me to learn from that experience. And I learned a lot more than just to triple check my calculations. I learned something much more, and that is to handle something in the moment. Don't bury it. Don't run away from it. Don't deny it. Don't let it stand between you and the Lord, but handle it. Face up to whatever there is to face up to. And you're going to find that oftentimes the solution is a lot easier than you might think. Now, if you murder somebody, I have a feeling that if you go to the authorities and tell them that to bring quiet to whatever that is, 
part of the debt being paid, the imbalance, the reaction energy to bring it back into that may be a little bit more than just somebody saying, oh, let's, let's call it even, and you learn from this lesson. There may be a little bit more to it than that. But no matter what it is, if we will step forward and take responsibility for our actions, whatever they are, you're going to find your life to be a lot simpler and easier than if you are ever living in a place where a reaction is ever coming at you. Have you ever had that happen? Where life just seems to all of a sudden become burdened, laden with reactions all around you. Everybody's pointing a finger. Everybody's mad. Everybody's saying something to you and about you and behind you. And maybe you don't even know it consciously, but maybe at another level you feel it. Or you respond to people in a way that you didn't before because of how you handle the situation called avoidance. I have found for myself that if I will just step up to the plate and speak it as quickly as possible, do it as quickly as possible, it's all the better. Another place I've learned this is with my own physical body. Oftentimes, I have found that if I go into judgment about my body in any way, shape, or form, by looking at myself and judging my physical form, so it is a physical karma that's being manifested, if I will just go into immediate statement of loving my body, of loving whatever that is, I find that I stay at peace with myself in a better way than if I let those judgments continue to build. And those are physical karmas, believe it or not, because it is about the physical body, the physical nature. Now, there's another way that the energy of action-reaction also affects us on a physical level as well as other levels. And we also have to be responsible to that. I've had many times found that aches and pains in my body, disturbances in my body, even illnesses in my body that are affecting the physical form I place there myself as fear, as judgment, as anxiety, as hatred, whatever it was, I allowed it to be placed in my body in some way. A very good demonstration of this took place for me in Hawaii in 1990 when I was living there. I would walk in to Waikiki and back five miles every day. And oftentimes I would walk the high road along the beach looking down because of high tide. And whenever the tide was out, while I was out for a walk, I would walk either into Waikiki along the beach or I'd walk back. Well, one day as I was walking back home, I was almost home and... The tide was starting to come in. I had miscalculated it. 
And it was to the point that it was getting higher and higher, and there was no more beach to really walk on in the way of dry sand. It was underwater. And I came up to a stone wall that I knew was there. It has always been there from time immemorial, probably. <laughs> it's just this lava rock wall that somebody had built out from their property at one point. And I realized, not being a good swimmer, I didn't want to have to go all the way out to the end of the wall and try to come back up to walk on and continue on my home, journey home. And I didn't want to walk all the way back because all the way back meant I had to go all the way back, maybe about a mile and a half, two miles along the beach, to a park to be able to go up to the high road to come back home. So I decided I'll climb the wall. I climb over the wall, thinking nothing much of it other than the lava was sharp, it wasn't much fun to climb. Got to the top, and there was no way to just lower myself down, so I decided to just jump off the wall and onto the beach and continue. Well, as soon as I did, I knew I'd hurt my left knee. And as soon as I knew I'd hurt my left knee, I looked up at the house where the wall was connected to, and I got really mad at these people. I said, how dare you put a wall on this beach? This is public beach. You can't put a wall out here. You know, this is in the way. This is in my way. You just caused me to hurt my knee. And I laid all kinds of stuff on them in anger because of it. And I just walked on in my anger. Have you ever done that? 